I invite you now to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1. Just going to take a few minutes today to look at a passage of Scripture that fits in with what we heard about today and fits in with our Advent theme of come, let us adore him. That's exactly what our kids led us to do today. They, they led us to Jesus Christ that we may worship him. And so here in Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 46 through 55 and look at this song that was sung by Jesus' earthly mother, Mary, after she found out uh, that, that what was to come to pass in her life and she spent time with her cousin Elizabeth. Look at, at verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him. From generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Father, thank you for what a wonderful Christmas program we enjoyed from our children today. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house and to hear your word today. We ask over the next few minutes that you would quiet our hearts, that you would speak to us through your word, that you would challenge us with the things we read here, and you would help us to truly worship you, not just with words or with actions, but with our lives, because that is true worship. Would you challenge us to this end, that the only way to spend eternity in heaven is with your, through your son, Jesus Christ, and his finished work on the cross. Would you call us as Christians to live lives that would lift you up and honor you each and every day? We'll give you the honor and the glory for what you do today. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, when anticipation in our lives is fulfilled, there are a lot of different reactions and feelings. Sometimes that feeling is a feeling of relief. Uh, today we've enjoyed this wonderful program put on by our children, and I imagine that some of you who read and sang today got back to your seat and sat down and went, Whew, it's done, right? You kind of breathe a sigh of relief. We did it. We made it through. Sometimes that feeling is excitement. <clears throat> There's certainly, that's certainly the case at Christmas for a lot of children and many adults as they anticipate that glorious Christmas morning when they will finally see what's in those gifts that are wrapped under the tree. Sometimes it's a feeling of overwhelming joy or awe, peace, or any other feeling. And in this passage to before us today, we are, greeting, we are greeted with, with feelings of anticipation that have been met. Because for hundreds of years, a nation was watching and waiting. From generation to generation, the message of the Messiah that would be sent to set his people free has been declared. And all at once, to a young woman named Mary, God's plan for the Messiah's entrance into the world was revealed. And what we see in this passage is that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises. And we see here Mary, having heard everything that will happen in her life, and having shared it with her cousin Elizabeth, she begins now to respond with worship to God for his great and awesome deeds. 
Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises. So let us take a few minutes today and look at this text and offer to him the worship he is due. And what we see is that Jesus is the promised Messiah. And as such, he is the fullest expression of God to man. Jesus Christ is the greatest expression of God. For he came as a human, 100% God and 100% man, and lived here on this earth. He is the Word incarnate who gave himself for you and for me. And we see this here, this worship that unfolds in Mary's life in this, this psalm that she offers to the Lord. We see Mary's mindset of worship as she begins to praise and honor God in verses 46 through 48. And we see her experience. Mary's song of praise recorded here comes out of an incredible experience she has in her life as she, an unmarried woman, has been chosen by God to be the mother of the promised Messiah. And it is through her that this promise of the Messiah will be fulfilled that we read in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And only with God would something like this be possible. The angel Gabriel has appeared to Mary and told her what is to happen in her life. And now she's gone in Luke chapter 1 to, to, to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who in her old age has conceived a son who would be John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Here we have Mary's response to all these things she has experienced because her life has been changed forever And so she responds with a song of worship to God. And we see here the mindset of Mary in her worship. It says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. You see, Mary's outward response of singing this song begins inwardly. She declares that her soul and her spirit, the immaterial part of her being, magnifies and rejoices in God. See, true worship to God, true worship isn't a shallow, superficial set of actions, but it involves everything that we are. It is that which resonates in the very core of our being and comes out. And God has done an incredible work in Mary's heart and life, and she offers him the praise that he is due. She magnifies the Lord with her worship. That word magnifies, if you go back to the Greek and and look at it, it carries the idea of to make or declare great. She makes the name of the Lord great. She declares it to be great with her praise. You know, it's interesting. We talk about worship when it comes to churches. And in and, and our lives. And, and I think that a lot of times we make worship a very funny thing. And by that I mean this. We often judge worship in our churches and lives by how it makes us feel. You talk to somebody after they go to church and they may say things like, well, we really worshiped today in church. Or I felt really close to God today when I worship. But here's the thing. Worship isn't about us, the worshipers. Worship is about God. Therefore, when it comes to worship, we have to seek to put him first. We seek to worship him the way he has called us to worship him. We seek to give our best to him in our worship. And therefore, worship isn't limited to a service in a church. But worship is a way of life. 
as a Christian, your life should be one that magnifies the Lord. If you sit here to know, to hear, to hear today and know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the way you live your life should, should uphold the name of God in a greater way. When you and I degrade the name of God through our words and actions, we fail to worship God. When you and I lift up the name of God, even in the face of hardship, then we offer him true worship. Mary's soul magnifies the Lord and her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. It's an interesting statement because over the years, Mary has been wrongly idolized and exalted, especially by the Roman Catholic Church. If you read Mary's own words, though, in this, in this song that she sang, you would come away with a very different perspective about Mary and who she is. She gives praise to her God, her Savior. You see, Mary didn't have any righteousness in and of herself. She needed the righteousness of God in her life to make her whole and able to stand before God. And she sees the grace of God poured out on her life as his humble servant. She says, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Mary's worship to God is marked by genuine humility. You know, it's hard to worship God in life if you live a proud life. Because if you're proud, you'll always think that you're better than you really are. Or that you deserved a lot better than you received. Mary saw herself in need of the grace and mercy of God. And so... She was overwhelmed by that grace's impartation into her life. She recognized that generations to come would look back and would count her as the recipient of God's blessing or the true happiness that comes only from him because of his gracious gracious acts in her life. Mary's mindset of worship and her mindset towards God is is what is needed for all of us in our lives. If we truly want to worship God, if you truly want to honor God with your life, then you have to come humbly before him. If you want to experience the grace and mercy of God fully in your life, then you must humble yourself before our great and awesome God. You cannot know the salvation of God without humbly admitting your need for a Savior. Mary knew the scriptures. She knew that she needed a Savior, and she would experience this Savior firsthand as the mother of the Messiah. And such grace overwhelmed her heart and soul, and now the further motivation of her worship pours forth. We see not only Mary's mindset of worship, but then the motivation of that worship throughout the rest of this passage. The first thing you see is that Mary praises God for his consistent character. hit the wrong button. She praises God for his consistent character. And so we see in the things she praises God for who he is and what he's done, there's something that comes up over and over again that's very evident. 
Mary had a very firm grasp on the Old Testament, which is the, all of the scriptures she would have had at that time. She had a very firm grasp on, on who God is and what he had done throughout the history of the nation of Israel. And we understand then that in our lives, true godly worship is, is informed by a knowledge of who God is and what he's done. If you want to worship God, you have to know God. If you want to truly see God for who he is, you have to know what his word says. You have to know what he's done. Because worship doesn't come from my own mind, but from God's word and the realization of who God is and his mighty acts. So let us see what Mary praises about her God here. She says, for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. She proclaims that this mighty God has done great things in her life and his name is holy. God is holy, that is, that he is set apart from sin. And perhaps the first and foremost attribute about God that we would recognize is that he is a holy God. We are sinful, and he is anything but sinful. And yet, in his holiness, he reached down to sinful man. He has done so many wonderful things for us, his personal creation. And even... When we have turned our back on him, he acted on our behalf. This is an incredible show of what Mary extols next, and that is his mercy. She continues on in verse 50, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation, because God in his mercy does not give us what we deserve. In his mercy, he withholds his wrath and his judgment, and that mercy beckons for you to come to him. And those who reverence him, who fear him, as the passage says, that mercy is continually multiplied again and again. And Mary could look back over the generations of her nation, Israel, and see the mercies of God displayed, that that Israel, God's chosen and special people, how they lived in times of obedience and disobedience. And yet God's mercy always proved greater than anything that had happened. And those who properly feared the Lord enjoyed those mercies fully in their lives because God's character is always consistent. And what he is in things as such as holiness and mercy, he will always be those things. And that consistent character leads secondly and lastly today to what Mary praised. Not only did she praise God for his consistent character, she praised him for his continued actions. Throughout these verses, we see how God has dealt with various people throughout history because God's attributes always inform his actions. He is the almighty God, and he has shown that strength. In verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Certainly, he did this in doing many mighty things for his people. But Mary's focus isn't just on how God acted on his people, for his people, but against his enemies. You see, there are always prideful ones who exalt themselves against God. And time and again, God has showed himself more powerful than any man. 
Think back in the history of Israel. If you know anything about your Old Testament, you would come across a guy like Pharaoh who refused to let the children of Israel go when God commanded it. Or Nebuchadnezzar who thought himself greater than all. But God's proper place as the almighty of the universe will always be protected. And even those of God's own people who were kings in the divided kingdom yet were evil came face to face with God's might. I've been reading recently my own personal devotions through the books of First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings, and, and I've just been amazed that over and over these guys who should have known better are doing their own thing, and God never lets them get away with it, even though they're his own people, because God is the one in control. He sets up kings. He takes them down. And instead of the proud, God exalts the humble. He says, in verse 52, Mary says, He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. God did this repeatedly in Israel's history. It is the way that God continues to operate. And then Mary says he's taking care of his own even practically. In verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Mary gives praise to God for this very fact that he fed the hungry. Think back to the Israelites being led out of Egypt into the promised land. God very practically did this for them, and he brought manna from heaven and quail for them to eat. God sees the needs of his own and cares for them. The rich who trust in their own wealth, they find that it means nothing when it meets Almighty God. Jesus, when he would grow up and in his own ministry, would meet people like this, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous or trusted in the things that they had, that it would be enough. They had been blessed with abundance, and in that abundance they had sought their fulfillment, and that, fulfillment would only, that, that seeming fulfillment would only lead them to disappointment. And throughout history, God had helped his people time and again. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. He promised Abraham that he would care for his descendants, and he did just that. He promised Abraham that there would be one through whom all nations of the earth would be blessed, and in Mary, that promise would find fulfillment. God's continued actions of faithfulness, mercy, grace, judgment, and more call for our personal trust in him. He has done so much for us, and he reaches out to us. At Christmas, we celebrate the gift of Jesus, God in flesh, sent to take away our sin. Jesus is the culmination of God's fulfilled promises, so come, let us adore him. Because Jesus is the promised Messiah and as such is the fullest expression of God to man. Mary experienced Jesus in a way that no one else ever did. She was his earthly mother. Now this doesn't mean that she was sinless. She needed him as her savior just like anyone else. And her resounding praise to God in this psalm calls for us to do the same. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God... Just tell you now is the time. 
You are beckoned to come to God today through the finished work of Jesus Christ. God is holy and is set apart from sin. And God is also just. And because of that, he has nothing to do with sin and cannot overlook our sin. Your sin separates you from God. And if you die in that sin, you will spend eternity separated from God because of that sin which offends his holy and just and eternal nature. But be reminded that God is also loving. And has reached down to us. He is gracious and offers salvation in Jesus as a gift. And what we celebrate at Christmas is new life found in Jesus. He came to earth as God in flesh, lived a perfect life, died, and rose again to offer you. He offers you the gift of this exchange of his righteousness for your sinfulness. And if you've never trusted him, I invite you to do so. Christian, very simply, do you live a life of worship to God? Do you give him the best of your life? Do you put him first in all things? Because it's undoubtedly working in hearts, convicting you of sin, showing you his mercy, calling you to a greater service and worship of himself. And I encourage you to respond to his work in your heart today and live a life full of his glory. Jesus came in a very humble form, but his work was far from ordinary. It was the work of redemption and of mercy and grace of the highest order. So let us adore him today by giving him our souls, entrusting him with our eternity, and living for his glory on this earth. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to come here today to worship you. We ask that you would help us like Mary, to extol you with our lives, to give you the highest praise and honor that you deserve, but not just with words or some kind of outward actions, but with lives lived to the glory of God. Because that is exactly what you have redeemed us to do. We pray that today you would do your work in our hearts. I pray if there is one who is here hearing this message that you would that doesn't know you as Savior, that you would continue to hammer away at their hearts, to convict them of their sin, to show them their need of a Savior. Show them your grace, Lord. God, for Christians, Lord, would you continue to convict us of our sin, those things that we tolerate that hinder us from fully worshiping you with our lives. Would you help us to make these things right? God, may we be a light and a testimony in the world we live. May we adore and worship you with everything that we have. As we close this service today, we ask that you would watch over us on, these, on the roads on the way home. Bring us back tonight to worship you. In your name we pray. Amen.